Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallat. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and today we are talking Beast, the newest entry in the animals attack genre, and it's part one of our double dose of Idris Elba, because next week, or at least soon, we'll be talking about 3,000 Years of Longing and George Miller, so it's a double dose of Elba, which we love here on the show. We're going to get to Beast in a few minutes after an extendly weekly watch list, so Matt, what have you been watching this week? So I didn't get a chance to really watch a whole lot this week. I had to travel to attend a memorial for my great-grandmother. But I did manage to watch Vengeance again after our little conversation with Grayson Barry. Shout out to Grayson Barry Productions, yeah, Vortex awesome. Anthology. Um, I, I honestly, this this movie, I, I liked it even better the second time when I was able Sweet. to kind of pick it apart and sort of appreciate it knowing how it all lays out like it's it's just so well written and it's a lot of fun and it's for like a dark comedy um started the rehearsal on hbo max a nathan fielder sort of mockumentary drama tyler's giving a two thumbs up i know he agrees with me that this show rocks go check that out and i watched about half of eeaao again <laughs> on a plane oh I was going to finish it on my second flight home, like on, on my layover flight, but uh, I was too busy having a massive panic attack. Bumpiest airplane ride I've ever been on, I tell you. Oh, really? Yeah, it was rough. How long was the flight? So, it was from Minneapolis to Charlotte and then Charlotte to Bradley. The Charlotte to Bradley one got delayed almost two hours. So I'm sitting in the airport, everything's closed, because it's like midnight. Right. And um, the Charlotte to Bradley one just, it, it was no more than two hours, but it was the bumpiest airplane ride I've ever been on, I swear. And I'm not the worst, but I'm de- not, I, I'm, sometimes I'm a bit of a nervous flyer. And then this this one just gave me the worst friggin' panic attack. Oh, that's too bad. That stinks. Yeah, it is what it is. Doesn't stop me from flying places. Oh, well, we're, we're glad you're back safely. And maybe you probably got more excitement on that flight than you did watching our, this, the movie this week. Not, yeah. not to spoiler reviews. spoiler. No, I, uh, 100%. I was, more, um, I was more on the edge of my seat on this plane ride than I was during this movie. So Yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what have you been watching? So I watched a couple things, but one of them I rewatched the re-release of Top Gun Maverick. Ooh, how was, was that? A, it was good. It's still good. Still holds up. Uh, it was just kind of a split-second decision because that was one of the only things playing at the time on a Tuesday after <laughs> at night, at like at like six. And then I also watched the new Netflix film, which I keep thinking is called Night Shift, but it's Day Shift. No, it's during the day. <laughs> what do not day. get? Day Shift. And I I don't even know what to say about this movie. This movie is bad. This movie is like an over-the-top horrible action movie with dumb jokes. Like, they literally just make a joke out of like a character repeatedly pissing his pants. That's yes. the height of comedy in this film. Uh, but like even the action is just so bad because it's so over the top. There's literally a scene where a guy's like, bro, give me a bullet. And he ejects a bullet out of his gun into the air. And the other guy jumps up a staircase to catch it in his gun and shoot a vampire in the face. And I'm just like, what is going on? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see the problem there. I mean, it's like, it's like (laughs) more extreme than John Wick. Every, every five seconds a character is flying through the air and like that sounds that sounds badass man but i don't know what i don't know what you're talking about like it the most bland movie imaginable and it just brings up my problem with netflix in that like how much money did they pour into this to get big name talent like jamie fox snoop dogg dave franco into this movie like, how do they not realize why they're failing? Like, who, is this going to grab subscribers? Is someone going to be like, oh, I really need to catch Day Shift? Like, So re- reportedly $100 million. $100 million for that. Which is absurd. For anyone who does not know, this is the Netflix movie. It's it's Jamie Foxx who hunts van- vampires in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, directed by J.J. Perry, written by Tyler Tice and Shay Hatton. 
I wrote about this in my review, which you can get at silverscreensavers.com. But Tyler, like you're mentioning, there's a certain kind of Netflix movie. It combines sort of like a high concept movie stars, but who are not giving good performances. They're just playing uninteresting characters. Action that is like decent and manic enough to keep you occupied and a bad script. And Day Shift is the vampire version of this. Other ones, you know, think Red Notice, think The Atom Project recently. And I, I kind of like The Atom Project, but it was still kind of that thing. It's not really that great of a movie. I, You know, I thought the action was like the, the biggest selling point of this movie, which just tells you that everything else is so bad. One of my biggest problems is that Jamie Foxx, who is an incredible performer, like couldn't save the material. And it's not his fault. The script is so bad because you have somebody who's a vampire hunter who like extracts fangs to profit off of to sell on the black market. And then like the antagonist is a vampire who wants uh, other vampires to come back and live in the valley and okay she wants vampires to take over and be superior to humans okay that's a villain thing but also like most of the vampires he hunts down are just minding their own business a am i incorrect in this <laughs> no, it's like you're right the script makes no sense and like they just are making up the vampire mythology as they go along and like there's like an hour and a half in somebody uses the term uber vamp and I'm like, was I just not paying attention? I don't know what that is. There literally was a scene between Dave Franco and, and Jamie Foxx where they literally just start shouting, like, trivia about vampires at each other for no yes. reason other than to give us lore. And none of the lore matters because, like, it doesn't come back at all. Like, no. it's set up, like, a hierarchy of vampires and it has nothing to do with anything. It never comes to fruition. I didn't understand it. Yeah, they try to shoehorn it in. They'll, like, shoot two vampires... By the way, the vampires who are like humans with superhuman abilities, most of them are just like video game zombies that get mowed down with, yes. with one bullet. Well, and that, this, this can I just bring up because you bring up a point do. I wanted to bring up. This is, movie has something I hate in, in a lot of movies where the first bad guy, it takes them forever to kill. Like he literally shoots the first vampire with like every bullet in all of his guns before he finally kills him. And then the rest are just like bang and they're dead. Like, now they're going through like hundreds of them. Yeah. And also, another thing they do to try to make Jamie Foxx's character likable is they try to, like, he wants to join, rejoin a vampire's union, which he was previously kicked out of. And they try to make the boss as unlikable as possible. The boss doesn't want him back in because he's, like, violated numerous rules of the union, which I was like, okay, I mean, kind of, you can give the guy a second chance, but, like, it's not the worst reason to not want somebody to rejoin the union. But also the laziest thing they do is there's one point where the boss, they give him one line just to show that he's a pervert. They're like, he's like, oh, that new girl's a smoke show or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I hate that guy now. He had one one off line. It was just, oh God, it made me mad. So, okay, here's here's a question for you guys then. Which vampire movie was worse? This one or Morbius? This. This. This, really? This. Yeah. This. Morbius at least had some entertainment. This movie is just horrible. It, yeah. Hmm. And you brought up the script, and I just want to say, like, this movie felt like it was just generated by, like, a robot that just took cliche movie cliches and spit them out. This movie opens with California love. Stop. Stop doing that. Stop opening with Cal We know it's set in California. That's <laughs> yeah. California love to open the movie. There's the definition of insanity. The definition it's, of yeah. insanity. You got the, the trope of like, oh, I'm estranged, estranged from my family. My my wife doesn't like me and my daughter is distant. But <laughs> hey, it's let's let me say this. It's got a couple of good surprises. I'll give it a fun performance by Snoop Dogg. I don't want to completely try it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. However, for the the half of a good concept that they had and the talent that they had, a total miss. Total miss. Also, like, you have, like, a child that's like, wow, that was awesome, after he, like, murders a bunch of people in front yeah, of Yeah, the daughter character did not make any sense at all. <laughs> it's like this little child. Whoa! And then at the end, like, they're like, he's, like, killed vampires that almost killed their family, and the wife's like, yeah, I love you again. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, like, a little unkind to the wife 
because she wants to take her daughter to live somewhere else for to have like a better life and Jamie Foxx is like no but then like his job of vampire hunting endangers the daughter and you're yeah. like I don't like I like I'm sorry we're, we're, we're done we're done in fashion yeah, on that's, this that's, that's more than anyone's thought about day shift since it dropped yeah. but according to Netflix it's been watched 16 billion times have you watched anything else this week all right, I have I have three great ones for you after that. Great ones, so pay attention here because these are things you gotta watch. This is really gonna be a roller coaster of an episode. Yes, it is. The first one is a roller coaster of a movie, and this is called Resurrection. This is about a woman whose composed, really structured life is threatened when a dangerous man from her past starts to follow her and her daughter. It is written and directed by Andrew Siemens. This movie is mesmerizing. It is completely consuming. I would love to talk about it in full, but I really don't want to spoil anything. I think everybody should watch it. It's so bizarre and disturbing, but it's so engrossing and fascinating. Rebecca Hall, who is one of my favorite actresses, stupendous. She embodies exhaustion. She's so good at showing her character's decay over the course of the movie. She gives one of the year's best, if not the best, monologue. It's this story that gets more complex and odd and just sucks you in with every detail. Tim Roth, he plays the villain who's so sadistic and crazy that you don't know if he's experiencing his own kind of psychosis or if he's just a master manipulator or a mix of both. He has this, and this is really like one of the cruxes of the movie, he has this hold on her psychologically that is so weird, disturbing, and inventive like like you just it makes you think it's such a great script and Grace Kaufman is really excellent as her daughter she's the one who grounds us to reality once Hall's character slips more and more into insanity I know I say this a lot and I'm going to say it two more times because we got three great ones for you but I mean it for this if you're a person listening to this give the movie a chance it unfortunately didn't have a big theater run so I'd like to see it make some money on VOD Awards attention is hoping for too much, so more eyes on it would be a good thing. The only warning I will give with this one is that this movie is quite upsetting. Not in like a sad, it's not going to make you cry. It deals with abusive relationships and like a couple of instances of unsettling violence. It's not super gory, but it does have some of that. But if you're okay with that, this is the movie to watch, man. Fire it up from the comfort of your couch. Tell other people about it. Spread the word. And shout us out. Screensavers Pod, Instagram, Twitter, after you watch it. Don't be shy. That's number one. Number two is Emily the Criminal. This is about a young woman who struggles to pay off her debt and to find a better job. She turns to illegally buying and selling consumer goods. This is written and directed by John Patton Ford, new director Spotlight. Have you guys heard of this one? Heard much about it? Um, I saw the trailers and stuff. I was going to see it, but we were too late for it. Yeah, but I, I wanted to see it, but I haven't heard anything since it came out. Yeah, I, I saw the trailer before Marcel the Shell. Well, that's a shame that, that more hasn't been said about it because it, it's great. If you've ever wanted to tell a job interviewer to go F themselves, live vicariously through Emily and watch the movie. This is a movie... It's one of those thrillers that it tells you only what you need to know. It's very bare bones, but in the best way. It's riveting the whole time. Each scene is so suspenseful, and it doesn't let up. Aubrey Plaza is excellent. She is, like, getting better and better every movie. She's making such interesting stuff. In this, you can really feel, like, the desperation and anxiety in her. There's not a moment where she is relaxed. She is wearing it like a second skin, all this stress. And Theo Rossi, if your son's of anarchy fan he was on that for years super awesome presence really loved watching him if you're a fan of movies about small-time crime that balloon into larger issues for the main characters this is a fantastic example of one number three is a completely different thing this one is a comedy you might not know that from the premise this is i love my dad i love my dad this is about it's Patton Oswalt. He is an estranged father who catfishes his adult son to rekindle their strained relationship. He poses as a beautiful young woman to get close to his son who is struggling with some mental health. Uh, written and directed by James Morosini. And this really happened to him. 
His dad did this to him, and he made beautiful art about it. This movie is hilarious. Yes, it is super cringeworthy, but it manages to find both the humor in it, if you don't mind dark comedy, and the heart, right? For such a gross concept, this really could have devolved into something like, oh, God, this is the worst movie ever. But it's not. It's very heartfelt about the dad's effort to reconcile, to show how much he loves his son, to build something new with him, and the son's journey toward this bad relationship that they've had for years. Patton Oswalt, fantastic as always. You're, it, it takes a special presence to be able to go along with such a sleazy character who's doing such a terrible thing, but he sells it. James Morrissey, he plays kind of like his own proxy character in this. He's really good as like this awkward young man who's been struggling with his mental health. He's a little bit shy, but he's a really great guy. And Claudia Saluski, who I had not seen before, really great presence as like the fake girlfriend. So much of the dialogue is through text. So they do that thing where they have the actors perform the text, like instead of, you know, sitting there on the phone or instead of, they do show some like, you know, text bubbles, but sometimes it's just like a dialogue scene between actors. And I've seen some movies do that pretty well. I thought this version of it was very full of life, communicated how exciting it can be to talk to somebody cool online and like how suddenly weird it can get because it can happen very suddenly. Rachel Dratch, Lil Rail Howery are in this, both of whom make everything that they're in better. So hats off to the casting director there. I was like groaning and rolling around on my couch because of the suspense during this, but it was worth every minute of it. Great movie. I got one more for you. And that is 13 Lives. Have you guys heard much about this one? I'm very fascinated by this. I think I started seeing like commercials for it recently. So I'm glad you brought that up because I actually, I started watching it, but to be honest, I fell asleep. So I don't blame you for falling asleep. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, this is a docudrama about the rescue of the 12 boys and their soccer coach in Thailand in the cave, the cave rescue. Uh, is What I find so fascinating about this, it's an Amazon Prime movie, and it's the latest from Ron Howard, written by William Nicholson. You know... <sighs> I'll say save this for the end, but it's interesting with Ron Howard. I generally don't like this doesn't need to exist as a criticism most of the time. I did struggle to justify this movie. This event, the real event, is fewer than five years old. There was a ton of media coverage on it. And there was even a documentary from last year called The Rescue. Now, we have seen the thing before where they do the documentary, then like the docudrama... You know, think about Won't You Be My Neighbor and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That was a successful version of it. Welcome to Marwin. No, not <laughs> I love L-O-V-E, Robert Zemeckis. Not there with Welcome to Marwin. I was so excited for that movie. And then it was me and my mom in the theater and we were just both like, what the hell? is this <laughs> you trust robert zemeckis with another puppet movie later this year though i'm all in for pinocchio i'm all in for both pinocchios nah. stay tuned for our mirror movie watch list gdt um, all the way I, I, I there's room for both in my heart uh so <laughs> the rescue i can forget all that qualifying stuff if this is a worthwhile movie experience but it's not and it like it's so odd that it's not it's scattershot. It's like if you've seen The Martian in that it like jumps around to a bunch of different casts of characters who are trying to aid in the rescue of the boys. It's just like that. It just like doesn't work though. Making a docudrama about the story, it gives you an opportunity to dive deeper into the stories of the families of the boys, the parents, and the boys themselves, right? That would make sense. But like this doesn't do that. You see them a little bit, but there's nothing in depth. Most of the time is spent with Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, who are both very good. I love both those guys, but like they, they don't even get emotional arcs. Their characters are good, and they're good performances, but it, like there's no attachment to them. There's some good sequences. There's really good underwater footage. Uh, Sayambu Mukdipram, uh, the cinematographer, Really great underwater stuff. He was the cinematographer on Call Me By Your Name, so he knows how to make things beautiful. 
good sound in this movie. So like great technical stuff. It just like did not work at all dramatically. And I'm fascinated by this because Ron Howard is absolutely dynamite when he has the right script, but he hasn't had the right script in a few years now. So I'm like, come on, come, come back to us, please. Does this movie feature uh, Elon Musk calling the, the lead diver a pedophile? No, I don't, I don't think it does. In fact, it stays away from the media pretty... And this... I didn't even mention... This movie is two and a half hours. It's so <laughs> long. That explains why I fell asleep, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I remember... I probably got it close to an hour into it. And you felt like it was just beginning? Yeah, I was... I, I did the thing where... Where I had to press up on the remote to see how much time was left, and I saw it. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, you're like two hours and fifteen more minutes. <laughs> I I do have a review if you want to read more on that. Uh, and then one last thing, I won't go long. I while I was working, I had dodgeball on dodgeball, a true underdog story, and I was just like, "Why can't we have this anymore?" There's, listen, there's a lot in Dodgeball that has not aged well, but you can cut that stuff out, and the movie is still great. I'd like, I just want some comedy stars in a movie that makes me laugh, and I, I just feel like we're not getting that. However, that was before I watched I Love My Dad, so thank you to everyone who made that. It's also because Adam McKay has gone on to bigger and better <laughs> things like Don't Look Up. Not, not better, that's for sure. He yeah he is doing a different thing. You're right. I know I don't think I don't think Dodgeball was Adam McKay, but I'm thinking more along the lines of like Step Brothers and and Talladega yeah, Nights. That's true. Go back to Talladega Nights style stuff there, Adam. <laughs> yeah, he did produce Booksmart a couple of years ago, which uh, hopefully we get to talk about more when Don't Worry Darling comes out. Didn't uh, there's another one that's coming up? I think that he produced. I can't remember which one it was. I have no clue. I'm gonna look after. Before we get into Beast, I want to ask you guys about animal attack movies. Are you guys a fan of this genre? Do you have a lot of experience with it? I mean, like, obviously Jaws. So, I mean, that's that's probably like the, the peak of that, the height of that. But that's good. But most of them are just like, I feel like most of the animal attack movies now are like straight to DVD, like sci-fi things. Yeah, like, yeah. So it, it's been a while since we had a good one. It was it was the menu. That's that's the movie oh, that he's producing. Okay. That's coming. Oh, out. I I wouldn't have guessed that. But no, <laughs> thank you either, for that. Um, I mean, Jaws is you know the gold standard of animal attack movies, and a lot of movies try to replicate it. But it's funny because a lot of them end up being like Jaws, but with a bear. Jaws, but with a an alien. Jaws, but with what? Jaws, but with a lion in this case, and I mean, there's possibility for them to be good, but a lot of them just end up being kind of derivative. But even if it yeah. is derivative, as long as they do it, make it intense enough and make it fun, good script, whatever, or even a bad script, just give me Idris Elba punching a lion. You know, it doesn't have to be a miracle, but at least make it somewhat entertaining. Yeah, I I always find these at least, at the very least, entertaining, right? There's always that, like, you have to get to that moment where you're invested and you're like, all right, I got to see what happens here. Who's going to get chomped on? Who's going to make it? We get common animals for this, right? Bears have been used. I always think first of The Edge with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. That's a really good one. Alligators and Crocodiles, a big one. Lake Placid crawl from a few years ago sharks are probably the most plentiful there's about nine thousand shark movies every year uh sharks yeah the meg sharks are my favorite animals please be kind to sharks they're fun in movies uh leave them alone in real life and the lion the you know the, the lion movie that i think of besides the lion king which is not i get i mean i guess scar is kind of the animal attacking in that movie I think of the Ghost in the Darkness, the Michael Douglas movie. I, I just feel like we haven't seen lions too much. Is there an animal that you guys think of is underused in this? Do you want to see more of a certain animal attacking? I should also mention spiders is a big one. Arachnophobia. 
I want to see a kangaroo attack movie. Like, this thing's just boxing, kicking people. <laughs> like, people are just... Like, it's just like this kangaroo that won't leave these people alone. It's just like... Nah, I'm thinking, like, a hippopotamus. Because oh, they say those be are, like, one. actually one of the most deadly animals in the world. But people yeah, don't think true. of it because they look so adorable. That's true. Uh, I want to... You know another one? A mosquito with West Nile. That'd be an interesting movie. They'd be like, ah... I think that's just a drama. I think that's just like, oh, this is a terrible reality of our world. I saw an article that was like, Bill Gates says this is the most deadly animal in the world. And it was a mosquito. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think that's a fact. I believe that's true. I think I'm sure it is true. But like, why do they have deaths? to attach Bill Gates to the to make me click on it? <laughs> why do I care what Bill Gates says? <laughs> no, what about... An animal attack movie, but it's the animal from the Muppets. <laughs> that would be funny. I don't think the Henson Corporation is ever ever letting that baby out of the vault, as as they should not. I you know I always think about birds. Birds are you know have something inherently creepy about them a lot. I just feel like perhaps it was done so well by Hitchcock that nobody wants to touch it. Not saying that there haven't been any, but I I don't know for for the potential with birds we haven't gotten a lot of those. You know who needs a redemption? The locusts. I, we need a good locust attack movie. I mean, locust is a really good concept for a drama, uh, just not paired with dinosaurs. So no, thank you on that. All right, we are gonna get to Beast now. The Lion, the newest Lion movie. This is about a doctor and his daughters who go on a trip to South Africa to visit their mother's, his wife's hometown after the late mother, I should say. After being trapped on safari, they are hunted by a vengeful lion. This is directed by Balthazar Kormakor. He had recently done, you know, he's done to like some Mark Wahlberg action picks. He did Contraband. He did Two Guns. He did the Shailene Woodley movie Adrift from a few years ago. And this was written by Ryan Engel, who had worked on Rampage and then like The Commuter and Nonstop, the Liam Neeson movies, you know, so so I feel like this movie is within everybody's wheelhouse, at least the people that I mentioned. Obviously, there's a lot more who worked on it. Matt, what were your general thoughts on Beast? Well, my my presence on social media has been a bit sparse in the last week or so. I was not shy about how underwhelmed I was about this movie. Hmm. I sent a couple tweets about it, and I told you guys as soon as I got out of it. I did not like it. I um, I mean, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. But I was going into it expecting, you know, some dumb, fun, Idris Elba fighting a lion. You know, the, the trailer shots looked cool and made it look pretty cool. And those were in the movie. And they were probably about the extent of the intensity of the movie yeah you're right about that um what i didn't like though is that it, it spent way too much time on the personal drama stuff mm. like like him and his daughters and their family dynamic they spent so much time on that but they didn't make it compelling enough for me so, like, they're wasting half the movie trying to work on this thing that's not working for me. And I just wanted more Idris Elba punching lions. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Tyler, what did you think? Well, I'd be lying if I said this was a great movie. <laughs> I had to do that. No, this was, this was okay. Like, it was the most okay I've ever walked out of a theater. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's my exact response. Uh, the person I was with response was like, that wasn't the worst movie. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's, that's about how you describe it. Matt, you said the same. Um, but I think you hit a lot of it on the head, Matt, so I'm just going to kind of add to what you said. And I just want to say, like, it's cardinal sin was it wasn't thrilling at all. No. Nope. The lion did not feel like a threat in any way. Like, it just kind of felt like a thing that just popped up occasionally. Like, and, and then, like, all of a sudden it'd be like, oh, yeah, there's this superhuman lion that's tearing through all these hunters, and it's fine. But, like, it, it, all of a sudden, like, this movie just felt like it just ended abruptly. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just ran out, like, like, oh, we can't make this any longer. Let's just end it here. Like, the, the pacing felt so strange. And, Matt, you said the family drama. I did not care about the family drama at all. No. 
I felt like you when I was watching this. I'm like, I don't care about this at all. <laughs> like, I didn't care. They really didn't have anything to do with anything. Like, just such a bland movie for, like, you have Idris Elba punching a lion. Come on. Like, I thought this was going to be at least exciting. <laughs> Dumb, but, like, cool. And it was just kind of bland. Like, I don't I, I was so bored during this movie. I, I... It was pretty boring. I, I wasn't as bored. I thought it was fine. Um, we were talking earlier, Mike. I didn't think this movie dragged. I thought it kind of went pretty quickly. But, like, at the same time, it just wasn't very, like, nothing grabbed me. Which is weird, because you have this lion coming around. Yeah. And, like... I don't know. I don't know if it was the small cast that we just focused on or what, but, like, it just felt like the lion was such a weird presence in it that, like, there were whole scenes where, like, you're like, can the lion come back, please? Literally. Like, give me more lion-killing poachers. Yeah, yeah. Or anti-poachers killing... Po- that was an interesting dynamic they didn't explore whatsoever. One no. sec. I was going to bring that up in the spoilers as the anti-poaching yeah. angle. Like, we'll we'll get to that. I I would say I'm probably the highest on the movie, but like we're all we're all within like a millimeter of each other. <laughs> yeah. I was mostly entertained by the movie. It's not a riveting time, and for a 90 minute adventure about a vicious lion, I thought it did drag a bit. You know, by the time we were getting to the second, like, oh, we gotta do some quick surgery on this. Per-. Like the second time, I was like, all right, wrap it up, please. The performances are good enough to carry it along. Good presences here. The movie should have been more ridiculous. It should have been more crazy lion stuff, more crazy poacher stuff. They try to keep it pretty grounded, which was to its detriment. Like you said, the family drama just felt obligatory and did not justify its own place in the movie. It was almost like they, they were just like, well, you can't just have the most cardboard characters ever. So you got to give them a little backstory, but that that's just what they ended up feeling like. You know, it was like an okay beginning to the stuff, but it you, you're absolutely right. It just did not connect. What was probably disappointing is that there are glimpses of good storylines here that I wish they hadn't even included because it just made this seem more like a disappointment. This is really like in two years, maybe not even that long, this is the perfect Sunday afternoon TNT movie where you're just you're either hungover or you're like you're trying to spend time with your family but none of you want to do the same thing so you're like okay beast with Colgate commercials in between. This I, I I'm going to just uh expand on that a bit this is the perfect movie where like you're you're watching during an afternoon where like you can find nothing on tv so you're like fine i'll throw beast i uh so i felt bad so i went to go see it with my cousin and her husband and um her husband josh he he was expecting it to be pretty decent which i thought it was going to be pretty decent too but i was had tempered expectations and i felt so bad um you know, we went out, and that was, like, the, a cool thing we all did together, and this movie was just very underwhelming. <laughs> but but it was good. Got to see it with my fam, so that was, that always, was the best part. It's always a tough thing when you go to... Especially if you're going with a person who, like, who doesn't go to a lot of movies. Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of the thing. I felt bad. Like, we all know the three of us can go to something awful, and it's like, all right, well, we're going to see the next one, but... You know, it's, it, it is. And sometimes it's like, oh, man, that really killed the mood of, of the camaraderie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Idris Elba a little bit. He plays Dr. Nate Samuels here. I don't They kind of neutered his role as a doctor a little bit. That was kind of odd to me. <laughs> yeah. weirdly thrown in. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a doctor. Well, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he is. He has had a very interesting filmography in the last you know several years i would say going back to 2015 i feel like for his caliber of actor and he's a really great actor i'm surprised i was looking back and was shocked that he hadn't been in more like not that it's all about awards but like more like awards e type dramas even regardless of the awards i feel like the the last biggest thing and which was that kind of type was beast of no nation which you know was a movie that was really unfairly suffered from a lot of biases. One of them being like the, that was early in the days of Netflix prestige and 
you know, a lot of people were like, no, this isn't happening. No Netflix. But then, you know, he's doing some blockbusters in 2016. Voice work in all of these. Zootopia, The Jungle Book. I think it was voice work. I never saw The Jungle Book, to be honest. And Finding Dory. So great for him on that. Hopefully he made some, and those are good movies. Same year he had Star Trek, uh, I think Beyond. Then the next year is a mixed one. Because he does have Thor Ragnarok, and he's been in the Thor and Avengers movies throughout, which is good. But then he has the Dark Tower. Did you guys see the Dark Tower? Is that the mm-hmm. the one where he's like the gunman or whatever? Yeah. It's, I saw parts of that. It's the Stephen King adaptation that... And this is like Stephen King's... I don't know if it's you call it his magnum opus, but this long series he had in his head for a long time... And, you know, this could have been the start of a big movie franchise, and it just failed horribly. And that was Elba and McConaughey, so there's a lot of star power behind that. Did not work at all. Molly's Game, the Sorkin movie with Jessica Chastain. I really like that movie. The critical consensus does not seem to like that movie as much. I like it a lot. And then The Mountain Between Us, which is kind of like a survival drama, which I, I I don't think made much of a splash. Then he's doing stuff like Infinity War, which, hey, big success. Hobson Shaw, okay, great, but like same kind of vein. And then he's in Cats, which, I, Matt, do you want to go back for a second? No, no, just uh, I, I saw this meme online. It was like, what if Beast is just Idris Elba fighting the cats from Cats? <laughs> It'd be a much more interesting movie. 100%. Yeah, I... <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Do you think Cats was good or bad for the careers of the people involved? I don't think it really made much of a difference for most of them. I mean, let's see. I James don't think Corden it... bad. Was Judy it bad? Dench, I don't bad. Know. You think it was bad for Judy Dench? You think people aren't aren't booking She's Judy fine. Dench anymore cuz Yeah. cuz she was in Jason Cats. Derulo bad. Who's this Dame Judy Dench? What was she in most recently? Oh, no, God, but I'm no. saying I'm saying it was bad for her career. I mean, like, I'm not saying she's like an I, unknown, not finding work, but like, I think I think she bad. I think I think she made it out okay. Yeah, I I'm just you know sometimes those and most of those people are like very well established, so it was okay. But sometimes you get a bomb that's such a bomb. That it like leads to some decent publicity, which is always an interesting thing. Uh, but then he has Concrete Cowboy in 2020. That was a pretty good movie. I don't know a ton of people that saw it, but that was pretty good. And then last year he has The Suicide Squad, which I think we really like, but like I don't I don't think it bombed, but it, it did not it did not do well. Did not do that well, which was surprising to me. I thought it was crowd pleasing. It was fun. It just I think that one was was just a mix of still the COVID trepidation of theaters yeah, and right. also it was simultaneously released on. Yeah, mm. you're absolutely right. He's also got The Heart of They Fall. We did a whole episode on that and now he's the voice of Knuckles in Sonic 2, which I thought was a vast improvement over Sonic 1. Um, so, you know, he, he's had an interesting last few years, certainly in some mega, mega projects. I, I am curious... What he's going to do going forward, of course, we're going to be talking about 3,000 Years of Longing, which at the very least is is going to be interesting. Can you imagine if that movie was as exciting as this one was? <laughs> God, I hope I not. Mean, oh. <laughs> hope it's more. Idris Elba is genuinely one of my favorite actors. I, I love Idris Elba. Yeah, uh, he's I think great. he's very underrated, which is weird because he literally starred in one of the, probably one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Luther? <laughs> Or The Wire. The Wire. Oh, I Luther you were, was fantastic. I thought you were Luther's a big Luther fan. Show. Um, I am a big, but I mean, The Wire is like one of the, like, I mean, universally agreed, one of the greatest shows of all time. So, yeah. like, it's weird that, like, now he's starring in movies like this. Like, I think that's, you brought that up as kind of like, it's weird for his caliber. And it just very much is that, like, this is the movie he gets cast in. I thought you were talking about his work in The Office. I I like that arc I I think this is a great movie on paper just if that paper was not the script I think (laughs) I'm not sure it's just a bar napkin that they they sketch the idea on like this is a great pitch but I and I I don't think this is a bad script it's just like it's fine 
you know, some of the stuff is very half-hearted. Uh, before we get to that stuff, though, I do Ayana Haley. Ayana Haley, sorry for pronouncing that wrong. As Meredith, I thought she was a really good presence. You know, she they almost kind of yes, yes, Mare. They almost kind of let her be a good sparring partner for Elba, and then the script is just like, all right, enough of that. We're 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 done with that. Her character, and this is a little spoiler, but I just kind of want to bring it up. Her character kind of devolved into like a stupid like trope of like, ah, this is dumb to do, but I'm gonna do it just because. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. And uh, Leah Sava Jeffries is Nora. She had probably one of the best moments in in the movie, involved with uh, subduing the lion, and then Charlotte Copley as Martin. I thought he was good. I liked him. Uh, we'll get to one specific part that I thought he was quite good in, where other actors fail. It was a good cast, and they like they got me through it. So I'm thankful for that. One thing I did like about this movie, I like that the movie started with human violence. That this wasn't like a crazy animal. That it wasn't like a science experiment that went wrong. You know, it is poachers who kill this lion's pride. And he's just pissed off about it. And so he's getting revenge. So he wrote Pride in the name of love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did like that. But again, like I said before, it's one of those things that like it opens up this door to exploring like our relationship with animals. You know, uh, why is the lion acting like this? You know, oh, the lion is maybe right in its vengeance, but it is attacking innocent people. There's like a whole web of antagonism here that they could have made into an interesting story, but they just don't. How'd you guys feel about the lion stuff? Was it exciting at all? No. Honestly, like, if they had leaned into just, you know, the lion being mad and then attacking people, and just the absurdity in that sentence that this lion has the capacity to exact revenge yeah like you know that's basically jaws more or less yeah you know and that's fine that would have been great if they had you know had some fun with that but they didn't do nearly enough of that no they didn't i mean they had like the under the car stuff and they had like the tranquilizing stuff and that you know that was all right but nothing nothing you haven't really seen before so I think what was, like, least thrilling about... Like, the most heinous things this lion does are all off-screen. Like, he slaughters an entire village off-screen. You just never see that kind of menace on-screen. You kind of see him, like, picking off hunters. I don't want to get into spoilers. But, like, it just it just feels like he's a presence that, like, doesn't match what he's doing. That's that's true. Like, yeah, the, the gore was very tame in this movie. It was. For a lion attacking people. Let me throw this down before we continue, and I'm sorry to interrupt. This is a spoiler warning. However, if you're a person who hasn't seen Beast, just think to yourself, how do I think Beast goes? And that that's what it is. <laughs> that's so exactly. I don't think there are going to be many spoilers here, but hey, out of courtesy, do that. Spoiler warning. If you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. So I'm sorry, Matt. Continue, please. Um, yeah. So, for a, for a movie where a lion attacks, there's really not that much gore. And, no. And, and like, and all the like Tyler said, all, all of it happens off screen, and then you just see these bodies that are all they're like cut up and whatnot. I mean, was this 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 was rated R, wasn't it, or was it PG thirteen? It was. Yes, because there were... The only reason I know that is because there were Red Band trailers before this movie. <laughs> and oh, I see. I feel like they could have just cut out a couple F-bombs and this probably would have been PG-13. I don't even remember a lot of I F-bombs. I don't remember F-bombs I, either. I heard I heard one, at least one, which, again, which is why I'm confused that this is... Um, unless the gore, they determined the gore to be, like... But I think there was one shot of gore that I thought was like, oh, that's kind of nasty. And that yeah. could have easily been chained. Like, there wasn't... It could have easily been PG-13. Yeah. And actually, you know, that that brings me back to uh, something I brought up off screen, which we might end up cutting this, but um, 
it ties back to the gore. So when I saw this movie, there was a woman and a young child behind us mm-hmm. sitting down. And, um, you know, then again, we had an infant in the theater with us for ambulance. So, like, people obviously have no concept or boundaries of what movies you should bring your children into. I, I remember thinking at the beginning, like, oh, why would someone bring a toddler into this? That seems kind of scary. And then after, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I, I I agree. It was, it just, it felt like something I would have watched on TV when I was like, and I'm not trying to be insulting or anything like that, but it just, it, it did feel like that. The family stuff, you know, it's, it's just very half-hearted. We have Nate, he wasn't there when his wife was diagnosed with, cancer he is a doctor he feels like he could have done something okay and then there's stuff with that he like doesn't pay attention to his daughter's passion for photography and there was that really like awkward like it could have been something good but there's that really awkward thing where uh the daughter is showing the photographs to martin the family friend and elba's just like listen if you have a problem say it and i'm just like <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like out of place. Like uh, like two minutes into this vacation, you're gonna pick a fight with your daughter in front of this guy. I don't. It just it felt odd and out of place. And also, probably the worst thing was the dream sequences of like you know he was kind of estranged from his wife before she passed, and he's just having these dreams where he's walking along this corridor. And then in the end, it's just like he turns and she's there. And it's like, uh, okay. They added nothing to it. Like, he's like, hey, Nate, what's up? <laughs> yeah. like, what's, that? what's that a dream sequence for? Also, they, they do that thing where like, oh, no, he woke up from the dream sequence and he's in another dream sequence. It was a triple. Oh, yeah. And he was, was like in a different spot in the in the vehicle every time. I'm like, is he literally rolling around in his Yeah, sleep? he's just bouncing around. <laughs> or is he is he dreaming of waking up in a different spot in the vehicle that he's in? Like dreams are not that close to reality. I thought that was that was not good at all. Also, the dream sequences, which I believe the first one starts the movie, is like in this you know everything's very light it's almost blurry and i'm like is this what the movie's gonna look like (laughs) like i thought something was wrong at first you know in retrospect it didn't look as bad but i don't know it's yeah that did not work at all and then in the end like they take a photograph and it's all good you know what annoyed me about this lion like is that its strength varies from scene to scene yes it does like it literally can't get through a window, but then in the next scene, it's lifting an entire car. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Like, have some consistency for this animal. It also travels. It, it's also almost supernatural in how fast it can travel. Yeah, it just teleports. Yeah, like, like, okay, like, the, like the Jurassic dinosaurs. Yeah. Also, like, he literally has Charlton Copley, who, very underrated. I love Charlton Copley. Yeah, District he's 9 great. is such a great movie. Um, but he has the scene where he's like, oh my god, the lion's looking right at me. It is staring at me. It's right there looking at me. It's looking at me. And then the daughter goes, and the lion's just gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so stupid. He's using me as bait. Okay, yeah. now he's leaving. He's, he's, he's giving up. I gotta <laughs> give it up to him. seconds, and he's gone. Yeah, I gotta give it up to him. He, I thought he did a good job in that scene of, like, being somebody who was weakened by a large injury like he felt subdued he wasn't like oh get out of there get out of there all that kind of stuff and you're right to that point the lion's hearing was also like because there's that thing where elba's hiding in the water underneath that like tiny bit of overgrowth and the lion's standing on top of it and i like somebody says something over the radio or something and the lion doesn't like it, the lion's hearing was also differentiated between scenes. Yeah. yeah, and then he bumps into the thing, and the lion's like, "What, what was that?" <laughs> it's like a video game NPC. Like, oh, I must have must have been the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the whole the whole um, I don't I don't I hope this isn't skipping ahead too much. But the whole part where like. 
they think they got away so they go and they're you know they're traveling for like half a day or whatever to get back and they're in like this valley on the other side of a mountain and the freaking lion shows up and they're like oh it must have cut through the hills like what (laughs) (laughs) that 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 was what it completely lost me the lion's no shortcuts (laughs) I think it lost me when they go to that abandoned school and like, cause, cause they already have, uh, Nate doing surgery on Martin in the vehicle. Okay. Whatever. Cool. It's part of it. And then he has to do it on the daughter and they got to find supplies again. And I'm like, I, like just fight the lion, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You already established poachers are bad. You don't need to be like, oh my god, they're using their corpses and like hanging them from the roof. They must be really bad then. Like, yeah, I, you know what? I thought I actually got up to go to the bathroom at that part because I'm like, I know the lion's gonna show up. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go because I'm not gonna miss nothing. No, you're not. I really like the turn though of when the poachers come up on their vehicle and he elba offers to pay them and then they look in the car and they see martin and they're like oh no 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 wait i thought that was a good plot construction but it's just not explored at all we learn that martin might be an anti-poacher who kills poachers to protect the animals a like a totally fascinating thing to put in this movie and then it's just like uh it's used for like one little thing the whole scene of like the poachers being attacked by the lion which, like, could have been thrilling. But they're like, okay, let's use this to set up Idris Elba looking for keys. He's looking for keys. That's what we're going to focus on. Yeah. Not that the poach is being picked off by the, the massive supernatural lion. He's looking for keys. <laughs> <laughs> I figure um, figure Martin, the sequel to this is going to be... Oh, well, Martin died, so never mind. But this sequel to this could have been, uh, been Martin writing a book called Where the Crawdads Sing. <laughs> Since he's an anti you know, that's, a, that's a real deep cut joke for, for you literary fans out there. Wow. Good that's a I'm proud of you. I kept expecting Martin to show back up and be like he's like partially burned. As you can see, <laughs> I, I am not dead. Or he's been infected with lion and he starts growing hair all over his body and paws. That would have been more interesting. Yeah. I love how the lion. How did the lion freaking survive the the drop and then the oh, explosion? The, because the, the plot drop. needed it to. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like well, but that, but that's the whole problem. This movie tried to be way too serious. That like all the ridiculous stuff just made no sense. Well, I just want to say, so this lion that was just ripping people to shreds. Ripping people to shreds was just taking a thousand bites at an Idris yeah. Elba, who just keeps getting back up and punching that this thing in the face. Awful! It looks so stupid. I'm like, is he getting hurt by that? He's not even making sounds. He's just the, like, ah. there's no energy. He's like the lion, no. this deadly thing who was tackling poachers in the air. He's like nibbling on his shoulder, and he's like, ah, 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 and, and then like he rolls over, and stabbing it. I'm like, yeah. what is this? This he's lion's like, supposed to be menacing, and it's like giving him like love bites. <laughs> and the he's giving the lion a wet willy, and then the lion turns him over and like swipes one nail on, and, and he gets a pay. It's like what is going on in this final fight? It was not good. <laughs> it no. was the lion bit him like a thousand times, and he just got like a few blood spots on him. I'm like, what? What is this thing doing? Like, it's so stupid. And Matt, to your point about the explosion, when the Jeep goes over the cliff and the lion explodes with Martin, I expected like, okay, I know the lion's going to survive, but they could have at least made him look more beat up than it was. (laughs) It's just, it wasn't good. And then, you know, they do have the, oh, I do want to shout out. I said I would. I think the, the best moment was when Nora, one of the daughters, stabs the lion in the butt with the dart that was funny they didn't need the gun she just did it on her own i like that little bit i like how they set this up to be like a super like like natural almost lion because they're like whoa the tranquilizer only worked a few minutes but you know he's just a lion that was just like pissed if lions get really mad then they can defy everything that the movie sets up yeah also, can I talk about the scene where the lion shows up 
doesn't notice Idris Elba, and his response is to shoot from the hip at the around him. Like, you could have shot that lion in the face. He didn't even know you were there. You were ten feet away from him. Hey, he's a doctor, man. He knows how to heal. He doesn't know how to kill. <laughs> it's against my Hippocratic oath to shoot you, so I'm just going to scare you. From the hip, yeah. Are they gonna? So the sequel to this is going to be Beast Kills? <laughs> no. Please don't Beast do it. Ends. <laughs> Poachers die tonight. Lion dies tonight. Sorry, I'm and like they... I'm just making these stupid puns because that's like all I can do for this movie to get any sort of enjoyment. I did like the setup of uh Martin having the positive relationship with that one local pride of lions. It's like, oh again, it was like an oh, here's a chance that like it isn't like, oh, humans versus animals are all bad. It's, you know, we have these positive relationships with with some animals. If there's care taken, as opposed to committing violence on them, okay, good message. And then they just kind of come in, and even those lions are like, rawr, Like, not, there, yeah. there was, I was expecting a more epic battle. The lion's are like, what's going on over there? Yeah, they just yeah. come in like, hey, you stop this. They're they're watching him struggle to fight, and then they they only step in because the plot needed it to. Well, you know what's funny is they step in, and like there's like two seconds of them fighting, and then he passes out. We don't even get the fight. We see like two seconds of it. Yeah, and it's like off off to That's the side, what... and then they pan yeah. over. It's not what, when I said I felt like this movie just kind of like ran out like, like oh we only have an hour and a half like it felt like they're just like okay just end it here like <laughs> and you know I think I think a, a great example of just how shallow the the other the non fighting lion stuff was came right after the big fight when what when uh Bonji shows up and he's like oh that that's a nice guy <laughs> <laughs> Or, or what, whatever he said, he, he's like, oh, keep an eye on him. He's a nice guy or something like that. It's like he had two lines at the beginning of the movie and didn't come back until now. So Why am I supposed so to care? I didn't, I didn't remember that until you just said it now. Yeah. yeah. I was very checked out by that final scene. <laughs> I, was, I was done. I like oh, how they're gosh. just like, oh, they, those lions killed the other lion. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Glad, glad we got to see that. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I came out of this like, oh, all right, not the best, but I'm, I'm more disappointed now. This is, this is unfortunate. I'm sorry to do it to you, Mike, but. No, it's, you're, you're, you've been spot on with everything that you've said. And it's one of those things that, like, I knew it in my heart all along. You know, and I just want to bring up another plot device, which the whole anti-poaching thing, which they kind of hint. And then they give you the confirmation where the poacher's like, hey, this guy killed a few of my men. And then they just like, okay, take the daughter. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I thought that was going to be, like, a tense thing, but, like, nope. And then the lion's like, ah. I'm like, oh, no, leave the daughter. Also, what's the history of the poachers knowing Martin's face? I'm not saying that that's not plausible, but like instantly once, oh, God, this guy, he killed three of my best friends. Every, every time that guy's out, his friends get killed and he's like hiding. Yeah. <laughs> he's just cowering behind a tree. Martin! <laughs> Martin! <laughs> If I ever find you wounded in the back of a Jeep, you're going to get it. <laughs> I really hope you're not coming after me because I will be too scared. But if you're wounded and unable to fight back, I will steal your friend's daughter. <laughs> Just one of them. Just one. I'll leave the other one. Oh, man. Any final thoughts on Beast? Um, I mean, I pretty much had as many thoughts as I care to have on this movie for now until I don't know when this would ever come up again. I, I find it hard to believe that I'll even be thinking about this movie in a month from now. I, I don't I, blame you. Whatsoever. I won't be thinking about this movie tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. They tried. And you know what? We're going to have another Elba next week. Cause we're talking 3000 years of longing in George Miller, the whole filmography of George Miller. So prepare for that. That's exciting. Happy feet. <laughs>
I love Happy Feet. If we need to get into it next week, we can. But I don't like the sound of that tone. (laughs) I was just praising Happy Feet. Until then, if you want to write to us, talk about anything, please don't be shy. Write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. Rate and review on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. And our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? Find me over at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sipkis, and you can find me on Letterbox at Tyler Nineties. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallat. My writings at SilverScreensavers.com, and I'm on Letterbox at M Gallat. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next time for more Elba. Stay down to bone. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.